1: Democrats prepare for an Iowa showdown. Trump and Bloomberg go at each other, and the Super Bowl halftime show does deja vu. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't like the government spying on you and making sure what you're doing with your data? Well, visit expressvpn.com slash Ben to stay safely anonymous. All righty. Today is the day. Iowa caucuses. I know y'all enjoyed the Super Bowl last night. Well, Those of you who didn't see the halftime show, I understand that yesterday was a time to get together and have our secular national holiday and all of this. But this week, man, this week, I hope you drank heavily because you're going to need all of that alcoholic intake stored in your body for, I would say, siphoning out this week. I mean, I think that we're going to need to draw on that all this week because here's the deal. We've got the Iowa caucuses tonight, and then tomorrow we have the State of the Union Address. And sometime during this week, this whole impeachment thing is going to end. We'll get to all of those topics in just one second. The big topic, of course, is what happens in Iowa. Because right now, the human being who seems to be most likely to win the Iowa caucuses by polling data is Bernard McSanders, the octogenarian socialist loonbag who believes that there are too many different types of deodorants. And if there weren't as many types of deodorant, then perhaps the homeless people wouldn't be homeless. That guy is probably going to win Iowa. He's also probably going to win New Hampshire. And right now, polling has him within five in South Carolina. So that means that he is, there's a significant possibility that Bernard McSanders is your nominee. Now, Joe Biden is stacking this whole thing up for a long run. He says, don't worry, guys, this is going to take a while. That is him basically conceding Iowa ahead of time. Because if Joe Biden wins Iowa, this thing is also over very early. Because if Joe Biden wins Iowa and Bernie goes on to win New Hampshire, it is likely that Biden withstands Bernie's run in Nevada, withstands him in South Carolina. All of this is basically come down to a Biden versus Bernie battle with Bloomberg waiting somewhere in the wings hoping that Biden completely collapses in Iowa and New Hampshire, and then he becomes sort of the moderate choice, which is why he was dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising, including tens of millions of dollars into advertising on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, Bernie has been drawing enormous crowds in Iowa, which really matters in Iowa because it's a caucus state. So normally, you don't associate crowd size with victory. I remember Republicans made this mistake in 2012. Right before the 2012 election, Mitt Romney drew like 20,000 people to a rally in Pennsylvania. I remember covering it, and people were like, wow, that is amazing, that's huge. He's going to beat up. And then he just got walloped by Obama. Right. I mean, he he won by Obama won by fewer votes than he had over McCain. But it was still a very, very large victory for President Obama. Well, in Iowa, it's a little bit different because enthusiasm really does matter. Now, there are a few things to keep in mind in Iowa. One, Iowa is a disproportionately old state. So while we are talking about all the young people who are showing up for Bernie Sanders and their enthusiasm and the organization and the ground game and all of that, the truth is that Iowa, like most of the United States, is growing disproportionately old. According to the New York Times, Iowa's outsized role in presidential politics is often criticized for precisely that reason. But Iowa mirrors the nation's economy and demography in one very striking way, the state's rapidly aging population and the myriad economic, political and social consequences that flow from it. The state is is largely known for corn and soybeans, but it also is sort of bifurcated between the rural Iowa areas and the urban Iowa areas, it is increasingly driven by the impacts of its aging population. 20 years ago, Iowa had one of the oldest populations in the nation. Its senior population has grown rapidly since then. Now, the nation's older population has grown even faster. Now, today, Iowa is in the middle of the pack when it comes to ranking states by age. With that said, right now, well over 20% of the Iowa population is over the age of 60. So what that means is that those are Joe Biden voters. And bottom line is those are all Joe Biden voters. If you look at the polling data, Joe Biden polls in the single digits among young voters who are Democrat, among old voters who are Democrat, Bernie Sanders polls in the single digits. So all the old people are like, yeah, we remember communism and it wasn't that great. We remember when the USSR was around, when Cuba was a thing. And like, we don't want that here. And we're not into the Democratic Party moving in that direction. We remember how it went for George McGovern. So we're just not going to do that. Younger Democrats who are very enthused about the idea of pie in the sky dreams being made public and all of this. They're very into Bernie Sanders. So Bernie is drawing these massive crowds, but that may not actually be indicative of how the Iowa vote goes, depending on whether the old people show up. And traditionally, the old people show up. See, Bernie is betting that young people are going to show up in numbers that they haven't before. He's betting on bringing new audiences out. Typically, people who bet on new audiences, particularly young audiences showing up en masse, typically that doesn't happen. Now, Barack Obama in 2008 did get new audiences to show up to vote for him. But those audiences were disproportionately minority, meaning that black voters showed up in droves to to vote for Barack Obama in 2008, which makes sense. He was the first major ticket national black nominee, right? I mean, the the idea that they were going to be able to vote a black president into into the White House, I mean, black populations looking at a a prospective black president and saying, "Okay, I'm showing up to vote for that guy. That's not shocking. It shouldn't be surprising for anybody. But the idea that young people are going to show up in droves to vote for the old guy Even if that holds true in the primaries, that may not hold true in the general election. See, there's this whole myth-making that's happening right now in American politics where Donald Trump activated a brand new base that had never shown up to vote before. And if you look statistically, that really isn't the case. Donald Trump performed almost exactly in line with Mitt Romney across the board. The difference is that no one showed up to vote for Hillary Clinton. The dirty little secret about 2016 is that it was all about nobody showing up to vote for Hillary Clinton, not about Donald Trump magically activating some heretofore unknown base who showed up to vote for him. Yeah, that was a, there was there were a small number of voters who were that, but it wasn't this vast overwhelming wave. Bernie Sanders counting on young people to show up in droves and then vote for him. It's a risky strategy for sure. Now it could happen in Iowa because small sample size. Now polling in Iowa is notoriously fickle. and this is why it does matter an awful lot that just before the Iowa caucuses, there is now a, a, a the the Des Moines register and CNN scrapped their final Iowa poll. According to Axios, this is the gold standard poll published by the Des Moines Register for 76 years, and the, the gold standard is no longer available. So CNN, the Des Moines Register, and Seltzer and company announced they would not be releasing the final installment of the CNN Des Moines Register Mediacom poll. A respondent raised an issue with the way their interview was conducted, which could have compromised the results of the poll, and they were unable to ascertain what happened during the respondent's interview, and they couldn't determine if this was a single isolated incident. Per Politico, the survey has the power to fuel a candidate's 11th hour momentum or damage a contender who underperforms expectations. The release of the results was highly anticipated because this is so competitive, because you have four candidates who are basically polling within six or seven points of each other, Biden, Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg. Apparently, one respondent told the Buttigieg campaign the former mayor's name was not one of the choices he was offered. The campaign then alerted CNN and other polling partners. And then CNN said a respondent raised an issue with the way the interview was conducted, And so they pulled the poll. Now, the Bernie supporters are basically saying, no, the reason you pulled the poll is because Bernie is winning. Right. And so you don't want to demonstrate that Bernie is winning. The Democratic Party doesn't want to show Bernie that that, that is conspiratorialism. There's very little evidence to that effect. But with that said, the Bernie people are, of course, the most adamant and they are the loudest and they are the and he is drawing the biggest crowds. It's interesting. Over the weekend, I actually sat down and watched. I wanted to see like a Bernie rally beginning to end. I know I'm I'm really a masochist. So I sat down and I watched a Bernie rally beginning to end in Iowa. I want to tell you about that and I want to talk about the appeal of Bernie Sanders, which I think Republicans are underestimating in just one second. First, Let's talk about the fact that you probably spend an awful lot of your day sitting in front of a screen. I know I do, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time in front of my computer or looking at my cell phone. And if you do that for long enough, your eyes are going to start to hurt unless you're using Felix Gray blue light glasses. These are great. They're really great, especially because uh, if you have trouble sleeping because you've been viewing screens too much, that blue light is keeping you awake and all of this. Felix Gray launched in 2016 with the singular focus to offer the most effective computer glasses on the market. They have succeeded because they filter out 90% of high energy blue light and they eliminate 99% of the harsh glare coming from screens. Again, I've been using Felix Grey glasses during my off hours. It makes sure that number one, I look sophisticated like Rachel Maddow. But number two, it means that my eyes are not going to hurt all day when I'm watching when I'm looking at screens. Unlike other brands who use cheap blue light coatings that are ineffective and can chip or scratch, I've actually used those before and they're garbage. Felix Gray contrarily, uses a proprietary blue light technology that is embedded directly in the lens. Available, available in prescription, non-prescription and readers, Felix Gray has you covered with optical glasses for work and sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime, which is great. I mean, you need to wind down before bed, but you still want to use your phone. Well, now you can do that using the Felix Gray glasses. Why would you buy glasses from a company whose sole focus is not making glasses from some fashion company or something? Instead, go to Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben, get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros. Shipping and returns are totally free, so you really have nothing to lose. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y, Glasses.com slash Ben, Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. And again, shipping and returns are totally free. It's going to make your life better, Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben. Okay, so... I actually watched a Bernie rally beginning then, and it really tells you what you need to know about the, the sort of Bernie Sanders campaign, and that is everything Bernie Sanders does is about, quote-unquote, building a movement. If you watch one of his rallies, his, from beginning to end, he feels like a 1960s-style professor who's doing a teach-in, and it's deliberately created like this. I mean, this is what his rallies are created to do. This is how he speaks. He has this sort of, we're speaking up to the man. We're not, we're not just here to stop Donald Trump. We're here to build a movement, and then he's very vague about what exactly the movement constitutes because... It would be very odd if the Soviet National Anthem started playing in the background or something to give you a clue. So he does this whole teaching mentality. And that means, for example, about 10 days ago, he did a rally in Iowa, or not even, it was like six days ago, he did a rally in Iowa in Ames, Iowa. And the rally opened with the band Portugal the Man playing for him, very popular band. I played one of their songs on the show. They're, they, they do catchy tunes. And one of their guys gets up at, at the end of this. And he says, you know, when I was asked to play at this Bernie rally, well, I had one stipulation that every one of our concerts, we ask indigenous people to come to the concert and we ask them to stand up and explain why we are standing on stolen land. So he then ushers up three Native American women in Ames, Iowa to explain why Iowa is actually stolen land. Right? This is the opener of the Bernie Sanders rally is that we are standing on stolen land. So basically the foundations of the United States are evil. Right? That is the, that is the opener at the Bernie Sanders rally. Then these Native American women, they get up, they talk about all of this, they leave, and Michael Moore gets up. And Michael Moore, who is indeed a radical, I mean, the man made a movie about how the Cuban healthcare system is a joy of joys and a wonder of wonders, which is why everybody in Cuba is trying to escape from Cuba on a 1957 Chevy with tires blown up around the sides, trying to float their way to Miami, which, by the way, is not an easy thing to do, right? 90 miles of shark infested waters just to get away from that wonderful healthcare system that Michael Moore is so high on. So Michael Moore then gets up. And Michael Moore does this shtick about how America is founded in racism and sexism and bigotry and homophobia and inequality and how Bernie Sanders is going to completely revolutionize the way politics is done, right? He gets up and he does his shtick for like 20 minutes. And then after that, he ushers up Bernie Sanders. And now Bernie looks like that. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Then he ushers up AOC. Okay, AOC gets up and she gets up and she starts talking about how America is a corrupt system. And AOC, again, is quite good on the stump right? She's charismatic and she gets up and she does her her shtick about how America is, is terrible and America is awful and how she is for Bernie because Bernie is the most radical guy in the field. And then she ushers up Bernie and Bernie is the elder statesman right now because you've seen Portugal the man, three Native American women explaining that Iowa is bad, followed by Michael Moore, who's a crazy person, followed by AOC, who's an even crazier person. When they usher up Bernie, Bernie seems almost moderate by comparison with the rest of the rally because Bernie's shtick is not the Bernie that you actually see during the debates. During the debates, you get Bernie yelling all the time about unfairness and about health care and America is terrible. During his rallies, he speaks instead like some sort of, of UC Berkeley 1968 professor. Right? He, it's, it's much more lower pitched. Right, he, It's much lower pitched. He gets up and he says, we live in a country that has serious inequality and you and I together are going to build a movement. It sounds much more reasonable. And, and it's designed like this, right? It's, it's actually quite clever. And again, his whole shtick is, we're not just going to defeat Donald Trump, who is the worst person who ever lived, but also we are going to build a movement. And this is why he's got momentum right now, because Joe Biden's case is only defeating Trump. Bernie Sanders' case is, I'm going to build a movement. And that is a lot more inspiring, particularly to young people. Now, older people are going, we don't need a movement. We just need to stop Trump, right? We don't like Trump. Trump's bad. But Bernie is like, no, we're going to stop Trump and we're going to build a movement. Now, make no mistake. His first pitch is, we're going to stop Trump. And that's the only unifying pitch he has, because the truth is that his movement is popular with his movement. It is not popular with the bulk of Americans. There's a new poll that came out that should scare the living daylights out of Democrats that showed what Americans think of capitalism versus socialism. There's a poll from NBC News Wall Street Journal released on Sunday. More than half of registered voters, 52 percent, have a positive view of capitalism. 18 percent have a negative perception of capitalism. I don't know what happened to the other 30 percent whether they were hit in the head by a brick or something. But the fact that you live in the greatest economy in the history of the world and you live in a capitalist system that has generated more wealth since 1800 than in the entire history of humanity combined, and that only 52% of you think that capitalism is good demonstrates a real lack of education in the American system. But I will say only 19% of voters have a positive view of socialism, whereas 53% have a negative perception of socialism. And Bernie Sanders openly declares that he is a socialist. Right? He always says democratic socialism, but... He's an actual socialist in the sense that he still cannot explain why he would not nationalize all of the industries he said he would want want to nationalize. With that said, look, Bernie right now in this poll is leading Trump nationally 49 to 45. That is not enough to beat Trump because when all the votes come in, it's probably more like 48 Trump, and most of those are in the swing states, whereas Bernie is racking up big scores in places like California and New York, places that already agree with Bernie. So if you are in the Democratic Party base, and, you're, and all you want to do is beat Trump, you're scared. But it, this is why the primaries are really, really a problem for, for Joe Biden, because the people who are voting in the primaries are the most excited. They're the people who want to feel like they're part of a movement. They're the people who are the most passionate, the people who are the quote-unquote most well-educated, the people who follow this stuff the most closely. And those people are in Bernie Sanders' So The primaries are cutting directly against the electoral interest of the Democrats. Now, with that said, do I think that Republicans who are rooting for Bernie's nomination are underestimating him? I do. I do. I think that Bernie is shockingly, shockingly interesting on the stump. Like having, again, watched one of his entire events over the over the weekend. I think he is shockingly interesting on the stump. I think that he's he's good at what he does, which is be a useless communist for his entire life, but give you the feeling that there's a conspiratorial elite coming after you, which is a different thing than, than, than like Elizabeth Warren does it, but it's it's louder and it's more brash and it's not as It's weird, right? Because if you watch them in debate, you think that that Warren is the one who's more modulated because in debate she is. But if you watch them on the stump, Warren is a lot less modulated than Sanders. Sanders comes off as softer spoken on the stump than Elizabeth Warren does, which is really kind of a fascinating contrast. But with that said, is, is Bernie in a position where the Democratic Party upper echelon should be frightened of him? They should. They should. Like, I think Republicans are underestimating, but I also think that it's quite possible that Bernie gets skunked by Donald Trump. And if you're a member of the Democratic Party elite, the fact that he's building a movement in the primaries that is not going to carry over to the general beyond that core is not going to be super helpful to you. And as you'll see, Bernie's people are actively alienating other elements of the Democratic Party, actively alienating those other elements. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about safety and security around your home. As you know, I am deeply concerned with safety and security. We get death threats on a fairly regular basis. We've had people you know who are trying to 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 threaten me my wife online in real life like it's not fun okay this means that I am super concerned about safety and this is why I use ring ring allows me to make sure that my property is safe at all times it means that when somebody rings the doorbell I know exactly who they are because I can pick up from anywhere it doesn't matter if I'm 3,000 miles away street crime in Los Angeles has been going up for a lot of people because the city is horribly run and this has been happening in major cities all over the country. If you want to keep your house safe, really, Ring is the place to do it. Go check out Ring right now. They help you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. If there's a package, delivery, surprise visitor, you get an alert and you're able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. Now, as a subscriber, you have a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit available at ring.com ben. The kit includes a video doorbell and a chime pro, which is what you need to start building a ring of security around your home today. Go to ring.com ben. That is ring.com ben. Again, rin slash ben. Ring.com slash ben. Go check out Ring right now. Again, it'll make your house safer, it'll make your life better. Go check them out. slash Ben. We use them and you should too. Okay, so the, the base for Bernie Sanders, who is likely again to win the Iowa caucuses tonight, that base is actively alienating other parts of the Democratic Party. So over the weekend, a controversy broke out after Rashida Tlaib, who is a radical anti Semite and a horrible human being, she was campaigning for Bernie. So campaign, I, I was amazed. There was an article. Last week, suggesting that Bernie was upping his Jewish identity in advance of the 2020 election. Okay, let me say as somebody who didn't have to up their Jewish identity, right, it's been pretty clear from the beginning because I wear the funny hat on my head and everything, right? As somebody who doesn't need to actively up my Jewish identity as I'm leveling up in a video game just in time to pretend that I'm intersectional, Bernie Sanders pretending that he has any serious association with Judaism while campaigning with while campaigning with Linda Sarsour, open anti-Semite, Ilhan Omar, open anti-Semite, Rashida Tlaib, open anti-Semite, hanging out with with the Jeremy Corbynites of the party, promulgating an agenda that includes funding of Hamas, he can stick it. I don't want to hear about Bernie Sanders' Jewish identity when that has basically amounted to conveniently pulling out his Jewish identity to pretend that he's not just a white guy every few minutes. That's pretty much his only association with Judaism. You don't get to play the I'm a Jew card after your your association with Judaism has basically been campaigning with anti-Semites throughout your entire career undermining the state of Israel and covering for the anti-Semitism in your own party. Sorry, you don't get to do that. That does not hold any water at all. Anyway, Rashida Tlaib is on stage. And this is, again, at one of these Bernie Sanders rallies. And Rashida Tlaib leads the crowd in booing Hillary Clinton. So this you can, so, so here's the thing. You can get away with this in a primary. When you look like you're running against the party establishment, this is what Donald Trump did in 2016, right? He ran against the party establishment. He ran against Jeb. He ran against the so-called higher ups, the Romneyites and all of this. And he was able to capture the, the party. But in the general election, the party rallied behind him simply out of opposition. I don't know as much as the Democrats hate Trump. I don't know that in the swing states they hate Trump nearly that much. I think that most of the Democratic hatred for Trump is in real blue areas, not in those purple areas. I think Trump is unliked, but I don't think that that he's disliked. I don't think that he's quite as polarizing as the Democrats think he is such that they can be Rashida Talib and win a national election on this basis. Here's Rashida Talib, who is undermining unity inside her own party, actively booing Hillary Clinton, leading boos for the Democratic Party nominee who won the most popular votes in 2016. Talk about female solidarity here. Here goes Rashida Talib directly after Hillary Clinton.
0: Iowa, we have three days. I don't remember if you guys remember last week when someone by the name of Hillary Clinton said that nobody, we're not going to boo, we're not going to boo, we're classy here. No, we're no classy. I'll boo. Boo.
1: She's so woke. I, you all know I can't be quiet. No, we're going to boo. That's all right. The haters, the haters will shut up on Monday when we win. Okay, and everybody is laughing and everybody is cheering and Ilhan Omar is laughing. And, and Jayapal is laughing. Okay, that's amazing. First of all, I wish I had a bowl of popcorn right here because I would just be shoveling it in my mouth right now. Just give me that popcorn because the Bernie versus Hillary thing didn't end. It never is going to end. And the fact that Rashida Talib ripped that scab right off because she is the dumbest politician in Washington, D.C. I mean, she's truly awful. It is it is incredible. And this is the Bernie campaign. This is the, the, the draw of the Bernie campaign is we're building a movement. But the problem is you don't actually see modulated Bernie on the campaign stump. You don't see that in the marketing materials, right? The, the kind of subtle Bernie that you see on the campaign stump, you don't actually see that when you've got people like Rashida Talib and Ilhan Omar making this case. So Rashida Talib tried to back away from this and suggest, no, it was wrong for me to boo Hillary Clinton. I really shouldn't have done this. And then Michael Moore, of course, jumped into the fray and defended Rashida Talib. There's a picture for you. He says, so proud of my longtime friend from Michigan who spoke the truth last night at the Bernie rally in Clive... Iowa. The audience booed Hillary and then somebody tried to shush them. And Rashida said, don't shush them. Boo Hillary and anyone else who doesn't speak the truth. So they are just ripping the scab off. They're going directly at the quote unquote establishment Democratic Party, which, of course, is scaring the daylights out of the Democratic Party as they face up against Donald Trump. And this is what the this is what the American people are going to see. They're not going to see Bernie on the stump for two hours. Again, I watched that rally. Most people are not going to watch a two hour Bernie rally. They're not. Instead, what you're going to get is Bernie calling for the complete destruction of of the American way of life, and his surrogates like Ilhan Omar doing the same thing. So Ilhan Omar was on the stump for Bernie Sanders. And she described how disappointed she was to see homelessness in America. Now, let me just point out, this human being moved to the United States and was taken in as a refugee by a kind and generous country from Somalia. And she's complaining about how unfair America is because she's seen homeless people here. Do you have any idea how insanely ungrateful this is? It is one thing to say America needs to do better to solve the homelessness crisis. I agree, we do. Although the policies she's promoting won't do any of that, but for her to say that she came here and she saw the homelessness in America and she was disappointed, I hate to break it to Ilhan Omar, but half of Somalia is basically homeless, if not more. I mean, it is a failed state. It is a failed state in which terrorist groups run rampant. But she was, but hey, she was 12 and she was very disappointed that she saw a guy living in a tent in the middle of Fifth Avenue. I mean, really, just just what what a tough life she has led. I'm so. The ingratitude of the people associated with Bernie and Bernie's ingratitude. You live in the greatest country in the history of the world. and All you can do is bitch about it. It really is sickening. Here's Ilhan Omar doing that.
0: When I first came to the United States, I remember one of the first things that I saw was homeless people sleeping on the sides of Manhattan when we arrived in New York. And I remember turning to my father and saying, this doesn't look like the America you promised. And my, fa- my father said, hush, child, we're going to get to our America.
1: This is just, I'm, hush, child, we're going to get to our America. Okay, so you're, like, what? You came from Somalia and your first move was, I can't believe I see a homeless person? Again, like, maybe your first move should be, what an amazing country. Now, we've got problems here, let's see if we can solve them. But if your first move is, what a terrible place, I see homeless people. You are from Somalia. My God. I mean, just, how about, like, a moment of gratitude? Before you get to all the problems of America, and there are many, before you get to that, how about like a moment of America's fantastic? Because guess what? America's pretty damned fantastic. It really is. This is the part of the Bernie Sanders campaign that is the seamy underbelly that the people who feel like they're joining a movement are missing, which is that most Americans actually like this country. Most Americans don't think that the country needs, quote unquote, fundamental change. That even Barack Obama subsumed his fundamental change rhetoric beneath the guise of a serious racial problem, right? He said, we need fundamental change. And then it was the idea that he in his personage was the fundamental change because he was half black and he was half white. He was going to unify us around race. He didn't do any of that, but that was the fundamental promise. When Bernie Sanders says fundamental change, you don't need to decode what he is saying. His fundamental change is, I want to completely overthrow the way the United States was created. I want to completely overthrow everything about the United States. I mean, the guy was literally drinking shirtless in the Soviet Union in 1988, I mean, that's actual tape of Bernie Sanders, right? This is this is who this man is. So when he says fundamental change, a rational person says, "Okay, the fundamental life change I see is the fundamental change of destroying capitalism, destroying the greatest economy in the history of the world, destroying uh, d- destroying free markets and individual rights." Okay, that that's what most Americans see. Now the problem is in a Democratic primary, that ain't going to hold. In a Democratic primary, that's not enough to stop him, because the uh, the only Democrat, like really, there could be a Democrat who who was willing to come out this way and really bash Bernie, but they were all doing the same routine that Republicans did with Trump in 2016. Truly, I'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about your sleep quality. So would you like to make your sleep quality better? I have a very easy answer for you. Personalize your mattress the same way you personalize everything else. We live in the golden age of personalization, right? Everything is personalized to you. Your meal is personalized to you. Everything is personalized to you. Why should your bed not be personalized to you? Your mattress should be, right? I mean, you're on it for eight hours a night, minimum. That means that you really should have a mattress that is made just for you. And this is what Helix Sleep does. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It's fantastic. I've bought Helix Sleep mattresses for my family. Even I, with this brain going 24 hours a day, even I can finally bed down on a Helix Sleep mattress and get a great night's sleep. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, whether you like a plush or firm bed, with Helix, no more confusion, no more compromising. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They've got a 10-year warranty. And you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 200 bucks off at helixsleep.com slash Ben. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash Ben to get 200 bucks off helixsleep.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so Joe Biden is trying to fight the battle against Bernie. Now, the best battle against Bernie is going to be America is great. Okay, that we have problems. Yes, we can solve those problems together, but America is great. Okay, that would be the case. The problem is the Democratic Party has been spending so much of its time uh, centralizing around the intersectional ideal. They can't make this case anymore. So the intersectional ideal was Here's a bunch of minority groups who have been historically put upon by the majority of white people in this country and America therefore is bad, right? We've created this intersectional coalition and they are pushing back against what America historically was. Well, what that means is that America was historically bad. It means America current day is bad and that means overthrow of the system. And when you draw, when you siphon from that well, when you're constantly drawing on that, it's very difficult to then turn around and say, listen, America's pretty great and overthrowing America as it stands is a really bad idea. And so you're left with this weak tea garbage. You got Joe Biden going out there saying, how is Bernie going to pay for all this? You think anyone in the Democratic Party gives two craps about paying for things? You think they care about this? Everybody right, left and center has been driving up the deficit an insane race. We have a trillion dollar deficit this year. You think anyone cares about this? Good luck for Joe Biden pointing out that Bernie Sanders' plans are irresponsible and never reachable this ain't going nowhere. If if Biden's best pitch against Sanders is he doesn't know how to pay for this stuff, that's not a good pitch. The only kind of pitch that would work against Bernie Sanders is a case in which you actually point out that Bernie Sanders is Dennis Kucinich, that Bernie Sanders is a radical who wants to remold America. And America is pretty great in the first place, but Democrats have spent the last 10 years proclaiming America is awful, right? This is the party of the 1619 Project. That means that Biden's on the ropes, even though Biden probably is where the heart and soul... Most Democrats, I really believe, most people who vote Democrat do not believe that America is an inherently crappy place. I don't believe most Democrats believe this. And I think if you look at the polls, this is right. Most Democrats do not believe that America is inherently evil, that it was born in evil, that America is rooted in 1492 or 1619 in principles of exploitation and principles of slavery. Most Democrats don't believe this, but nobody in the Democratic Party is willing to stand up and say this because they are afraid of the media blowback. They're afraid of the Twitterati and they're afraid of Bernie Sanders and his angry base. So instead, they're relegated to making dumb arguments like Joe Biden that he's fiscally responsible. You think, again, you think anybody cares that Joe Biden is more fiscally responsible than Bernie? Good luck with this.
0: Bernie's dilemma from my perspective is that um, he is not being straightforward on How he's
1: going to get done what he's suggesting and the cost of what he's suggesting? Okay. good luck. Good luck chiding Bernie Sanders supporters on this is all pie in the sky. Many of them will say, you're right, it's pie in the sky. But at least he's at least he's consistent. At least he's dreaming big. And unless you're going to present a conflict of visions, you got nothing, which is why the Trump Biden race, uh, the Trump Sanders race is going to be very different from the from the Biden Sanders race. John Kerry. Uh, again, what this means is that if you've bought into the basic premise that America is a bad place, that America is crappy, that America is historically evil, and all of that, that America is not inherently great, if you've bought into that, then we're just arguing over the boundaries of spending. And when you come to, and, and again, once you're arguing not over morality, but over, but over accounting, then Bernie's got the advantage inside the Democratic Party on that. Because again, no one in the Democratic Party has the stones to just say, Bernie's vision of the United States is wrong. It is incorrect. Nobody in the Democratic Party will say that. So instead, you get people like John Kerry, who apparently was overheard by reporters saying that Sanders was taking down the party. Uh, Well, the difference between John Kerry and Bernie Sanders is that Bernie says the quiet part out loud. John Kerry is a man who back in the 1960s and early in the early 1970s, he went to Vietnam. He came back. He threw his medals over the fence of the White House. This is a person who went during the Winter Soldier testimony and suggested that American soldiers were raping, looting, pillaging, cutting off ears, electrifying genitals. Right? I mean this is like torturing people, right? This is what John Kerry said in congressional testimony. And then he became a United States Senator on the back of this. He ran in 2004 and he tried to then run on the basis of America is good. And Bush was like, "Well, yeah, but all that stuff about like what you said before, what does that mean?" The problem is once you get in bed with the actual anti-American left, it is very difficult to get out of bed with the anti-American left. Once you're in bed with the anti-American left, you will be screwed. It is just a question of how. So John Kerry apparently was su- suggesting on his cell phone in the middle of Iowa, which is a genius move, that maybe he would jump in the race. Yes, I am sure that John Kerry would be able to defeat Bernie Sanders in a way that Joe Biden has not. We needed another octogenarian useless person. That's what we need. John Kerry. So fun, John Kerry tweeted out last night. As I told the reporter, I'm absolutely not running for president. And report otherwise is effing or categorically false. I've been proud to campaign with my good friend Joe Biden, was going to win the nomination, beat Trump and make an outstanding president. Then he deleted this because he used the F word and that was his, him being authentic. So he backed off of that. But again, the entire Democratic Party is gradations of Bernie. Once you're gradations of Bernie, Bernie has the advantage. You're seeing this in everybody from Pete Buttigieg who used to proclaim that he was a moderate to Elizabeth Warren, who at one time was in favor of school choice. Now they are all just doing gradations of Bernie. All right? Listen to Ayanna Pressley. So Ayanna Pressley was out campaigning for Elizabeth Warren. Ayanna Pressley, of course, is the is the congressperson from Massachusetts. She's the sole member of the squad who did not endorse Bernie Sanders. And so she was out there making the suggestion that Elizabeth Warren knows we live our lives in complexity and intersectionality, which is to say America's a crappy place. Because again, the theory of intersectionality, at least when it comes to politics, is that there are a bunch of dispossessed groups and that when you put them all together in opposition to quote unquote mainstream America and the system, that this is is amounts to the overthrow of the system. Here's Ayanna Presley making the Bernie Sanders case but doing it on the basis of race as opposed to class. Elizabeth's got a plan for that, but she's got a plan for all of it that is true to how we live our lives, which is in complexity and intersectionality and in nuance. She speaks my love language. She knows the power of the pen and the power of policy. She speaks her love language. Is that gifts or is that like... um Is that feelings? Like there are five love languages, by the way. So I don't know which love language she's specifically. If your love language is intersectionality, you're doing love languages wrong. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to President Trump and his take on all of this. Because again, Trump's take on all of this is directly anti, the anti-Americanism of of Bernie Sanders. When I say he's anti-American, I mean, he literally believes the idea of America is bad. He believes that America was founded in evil. He believes that America was built on on the backs of the impoverished. He believes that America is a story of exploitation, and and intersectional grievance. That, that's what he believes. And he just believes it more in a class way than in a race way. But the problem for the Democratic Party is they were trying to draw on that energy in the same way that the Republican Party in 2016 was trying to draw on the populist energy of Trump. And so they never took on the sort of bleak picture of the United States. And he ended up cruising to victory in the primaries. The same thing is happening with Bernie. You can't crib off Bernie's sheet and then hope to beat Bernie. That's what Elizabeth Warren tried. It failed. Biden tried it in a very subtle way, which is he would sort of crib off of the um, intersectionality, America's kind of crappy. We, we've been ruined. But Biden should have made his pitch more explicit, right? Biden's pitch was that America was great when Barack Obama was president. Now it's bad because Trump is president. Now I'm going to make it great again, to coin a phrase. But instead, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that because Bernie was out there basically saying, yeah, but even under Barack Obama, none of these problems were solved. Once you, once you drink from the well of intersectionality and political grievance, whoever drinks most deeply, whoever quaffs most deeply, from that well, is going to win the nomination right now. That looks a lot like Bernie Sanders. We'll get to President Trump's counter pitch in just one second. First, let us talk about your employees. So let's say that you are an employee with lots of outside interests. Let's say that you love whittling. Let's say that you're you're a big fan you're a big fan of various survivalist shows. And so you just get up on those skills. Let's say that you're obsessed with any variety of topics ranging from Star Wars to watches. But let's say that you just don't show up for your job in the morning. Like, like, let's say that your name rhymes with Nick. Let's say let's say that that happens. Like a really interesting dude, but you may not be all that fascinated with your job. Well, if you're the employer of Nick, perhaps you're going to ZipRecruiter.com right now and checking out alternatives to Nick. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, but maybe Nick would best be served by working at like an outdoors company where he could really hone his skills. Maybe he could like carve himself a pan flute or something, but not on your dime. Well, if you're looking for better employees, ZipRecruiter is the only way to do it. With results like ZipRecruiter brings, it is no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. They help you sift through the candidates. They provide the best candidates to you. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Here's the problem. When you open up an application for a job, you're going to get a bunch of randos, and you don't really have time to go through the randos. You want somebody to sift through that for you and make sure the best people are applying for your job. That is exactly what ZipRecruiter does. Check them out right now and you will see how great they are. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Go check them out right now and don't get stuck with employees who would rather be out in the woods pitching a tent. Instead, get the employees best for your company, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to President Trump responding to the Bernie Sanders surge. And also to Bloomberg, because it turns out that Trump is deeply worried about Bloomberg. He thinks, apparently, Trump thinks, that this race is not coming down to Biden and Sanders. It's coming down to Bloomberg and Sanders, which is kind of fascinating. Also, we'll get to all of the controversy surrounding the Super Bowl, which is predictable and stupid every single year. We'll get to that in one second. First, reminder, we do have a Daily Wire backstage tomorrow covering the State of the Union address, which should be a lot of fun because I don't know that they're going to have completed impeachment proceedings at that point, right? So Trump may still be under quote unquote threat of impeachment, even as he does his state of the union address. We'll be covering that tomorrow live over at dailywire.com. This is why you should subscribe because you can ask us questions during the broadcast and all of it. Gang, if you haven't noticed, 2020, it's wild, man. The election race is just getting started. Today's Iowa. We know you need to know everything from debate and primary updates to the latest nonsense from the Democratic candidates. The best way to stay informed is to become a Daily Wire member and get comprehensive news and opinion from us on demand. So we are giving you 20% off all memberships. That is 20% off all memberships when you use promo code DW2020. Members get our articles ad free access to all of our live broadcasts, our show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag, and now my election insight op-eds. Yes, those are coming. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into live online Q&A discussions with me, Clavin, Walsh, Knowles, plus our site's writers and special guests. Let us answer your questions, help you stay one step ahead of the cruel left. If you haven't already, go download the Daily Wire app so you can get push notifications for breaking news, special coverage. This is I mean, we spent an awful lot of money creating this app just for you. So take advantage. Again, check out promo code DW2020 for 20% off your membership. That's a pretty great deal. Join today. Stay informed on all things 2020. Use promo code DW2020 when you subscribe. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so President Trump for his part obviously believes that this primary is coming down not to Bernie Sanders versus Joe Biden. He believes it is coming down to Bernie Sanders versus Michael Bloomberg. And he is he's pissed off at Michael Bloomberg. First, he correctly calls Joe Biden and he calls Bernie Sanders a communist. Now everybody in the media is like, "He's not a communist, he's a democratic socialist." Okay, so let him explain why capitalism is good. Really? Like he's made he's made sort of weird, open-ended comments about why he, he's not opposed to free markets. But, like, let's hear him talk about the glories of the free market for a second before we grant him that he doesn't want to nationalize all industry. How is it that no one in the mainstream media has asked Bernie Sanders, you know, back in the 70s, when you were in your mid-30s, okay, we're not talking about you were 17. When you were in your mid-30s, you ran at the head of a party that called for nationalizing the banks, the energy industry, and heavy industry in the United States. You still for that? And if, if not, why not? What changed? Did you realize that was unrealistic? Are you looking for a transitional plan? Like what exactly changed right here? So when, when Trump says like you backed every communist regime ever, and also it seems like you're kind of a commie, the reality is he is kind of a commie. OK, here's here's President Trump going off on Bernie Sanders. Do so we have him going off on Joe Biden and Bernie? There we go.
0: Whatever comes to your mind. Okay? We'll start with Joe Biden. <laughs> I just think of Sleepy. I I just watch him. He's Sleepy, Sleepy Joe. Bernie Sanders. Well, I think he's a communist. I mean, you know, look, I think of communism when I think of Bernie. Now, you could say socialist, but did he get married in Moscow? And that's wonderful. Moscow's wonderful. Might have been the honeymoon. You don't think necessarily. Well, whatever. But you don't necessarily think in terms of marriage, Moscow.
1: (laughs) Okay, that's all fair. And he's going to be hitting Bernie on all of this, right? And this is what he should be doing, right? He should... Honestly, like him going after Bernie on the fact that Bernie believes that America is inherently bad is not a bad way to go because most Americans don't believe that America is inherently bad such that it requires revolutionary Marxist change, which is what Bernie is calling for. Meanwhile, Trump is upset about Michael Bloomberg. So Bloomberg has been spending all this money targeting Trump, hundreds of millions of dollars targeting Trump. He's been rising in the national polls. According to some national polls, he's running as high as number three after Biden and Sanders. If Biden were to collapse, then Bloomberg presumably would be the inheritor of the quote unquote moderate mantle. This has led President Trump to go on Twitter and say, Mini Mike is part of the fake news. They're all working together. In fact, Bloomberg isn't covering himself, too boring to do, or other Dems, only Trump. That sounds fair. It's all the fake news media, and that's why no one believes in them anymore. Okay, all of that is fair except for the mini mic part. I, I I tire of of Trump's. Uh, really, like I, I'm kind of annoyed by the the physical like pencil neck shift, mini mini mic. Like all of this is such schoolyard nonsense. But Trump says many of the ads you are watching were paid for by Mini Mike Bloomberg. He's going nowhere, just wasting his money. But he is getting the DNC to rig the election against crazy Bernie. Something they wouldn't do for Cory Booker and others. They are doing it to Bernie again, 2016. So here's. Trump militating in favor of Bernie, right? Trump says he wants to run against Bernie. It's pretty obvious he wants to run against Bernie. And then he goes after Bloomberg again, calling him little. Like if your if your chief diss on Bloomberg is not that he's a government nanny state who wants to control everything, but that he is a little man, that he's 5'8" and that Bernie and that because Michael Bloomberg like he, he suggested yesterday that the DNC was going to provide an apple box for for Mike Bloomberg to stand on. It's it's this is all such schoolyard crap, but whatever, man. Again, this is the thing If Trump could just withhold this for like a second, if Trump could just spend one second and be like, "Let me explain why America is great and why Bernie Sanders' vision of America is garbage," he'd win walking away. If he insists on going to Michael Bloomberg is short, what do you think suburban women feel about that? Seriously, do you think suburban women are like, "Well, now now that the president said he's short, I I can't stand Michael Bloomberg. I I don't like short men." I mean, uh, come on. Here, here he is going after Michael Bloomberg and calling him short. Michael Bloomberg.
0: Uh, very little. I just think of little. You know, now he wants a box for the debates to stand on. Okay, it's okay. There's nothing wrong. You could be short. Why should he get a box to stand on, okay? He wants a box for the debates. Why should he be entitled to that? I, really? Then does that mean everyone else gets a box? I guess if they want one, I have to negotiate the, well, the other thing, boxes. That's very really in interesting. Cory Booker and all these people couldn't get any of the things that Bloomberg's getting now. I think it's very unfair for the Democrats, but I would love to run against Bloomberg.
1: So your chief critique is that he wants to stand on a box. Now, maybe I'm oversensitive to this because I get a lot of height jokes. I am 5'9", by the way. But I will say that that's a weird critique. Like, he shouldn't be president because he wants to stand on a box is a very weird critique. Especially when you have, he tried to ban soda in New York City. And his policies on cigarettes led to a crackdown on people selling Lucy's in the street, right? Like, like there's there's like plenty to attack Michael Bloomberg on. His gun control agenda is nonsense. And by the way, Michael Bloomberg then shot back in exactly the way that you would think that Michael Bloomberg would shoot back. Now you have Bloomberg's campaign saying that he is fat and orange. So I guess this is where we're going. Bloomberg campaign spokesman Julie Woods said, "Quote." He's a pathological liar who lies about everything: his fake hair, his obesity, his spray-on tan. And then the former mayor said that Trump lies about everything, so you shouldn't be surprised he said things like that. I stand twice as tall on, uh, as he does on the stage. That matters, okay? So now we're going to get into fights over who is fat and who is and who is short. And like, I guess this is what. See, here is the thing: it's not as though we haven't had dummies run for president of the United States before and schoolyard taunting in, in the presidency. The difference is it didn't matter because the presidency didn't control so much of American life. This is why, if you don't like any of this, join me over here in the libertarian quarter where we wish to minimize the power of government so we don't care what idiots are presidents of the United States. We don't care. Like, they don't bother us. That'd be great. Then I wouldn't have to worry about any of this dumb, dumb stuff. And the only commentator in America wants to put himself out of work by making you not care about politics. Okay, but apparently, like, we're just going to do, it's, it's idiocy all the way down. Here's, here's a Bloomberg advisor mocking mocking Trump.
0: Mike Bloomberg would eat Donald Trump alive on a debate stage <laughs> Donald Trump is chattering who 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 knew that Donald Trump was such a snowflake what's it like to be in Donald Trump's head so much and what I've said to people was when you get inside Donald Trump's head all you're gonna discover that you find there is a putter a cheeseburger a porn video and somebody else's credit card oh.
1: okay so okay so th- this is how it's gonna go this is how it's gonna be and honestly like I- I'm I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I think that it's like wildly out of character for the Bloomberg people to go after Trump. Trump goes after everybody else this way. This is, you open the door to this sort of schoolyard crap and this is what you're going to get. It's it's immature. It's stupid. It's nonsense. But this is what we are. Do I think that's effective for Trump? I don't. I, I know. I, I cut against the grain of most Republicans who are laughing and thinking this is a really wise and all this. Listen, it can be funny and also stupid. Funny and stupid. Very, very possible. Many movies are funny and stupid. This is funny. It is also stupid. It is not smart politics. Hey, well, For their money, both Trump and Bloomberg ran ads during the Super Bowl. So uh, so President Trump ran an ad that was kind of fascinating in its take. He ran an ad on Alice Johnson. So Alice Johnson was uh, was a uh, sentenced to serve life in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. Well, okay. to be fair, she was sentenced to serve life in prison for allegedly running a drug smuggling ring or being deeply involved in a drug smuggling ring that was involved in bringing literally, I believe it was hundreds of kilograms of of cocaine into the United States, if I'm not messing this up. So it wasn't like she was just sitting on the street corner and smoking a joint and then she ended up in prison for life. Like that is not accurate. But with that said, it's interesting that Trump is running his Super Bowl ad on the basis of criminal justice reform, as opposed to just a rote patriotic ad. That's obviously him attempting to make inroads with women, inroads with minorities. It's it's an interesting take. I mean, I'm not sure that I'm not sure I love it. I mean, I don't love criminal justice reform as a general rule. I think that criminal justice reform has been wildly overstated in in its necessity as well as in the idea that there are tons and tons of innocent people who are sitting in prison or tons and tons of people who are, who are sitting past their, their due sentences sitting in prison. But this was the ad that Trump ran. It's a good ad for what it's worth. Here is the ad. It says Alice Johnson was sentenced to serve life in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. Thanks to President Trump, people I'm like Alice are getting a second my family. chance.
0: I'm free to start over. This is the greatest day of my life. Politicians talk about criminal justice reform.
1: President Trump got it done. Thousands of families are being reunited.
0: President Donald John Trump. Woo! Thank you, thank you,
1: thank you. (laughs) I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Okay, so here's my feeling about political ads like this one. I think it's a mistake for politicians to try to be what they are not. Okay, for Trump to play the like I'm super compassionate card during the Super Bowl, like what I am known for is my compassion and reuniting of families. (laughs) Like it's true with regard to criminal justice reform. Possibly it's also true that criminal justice reform may end up with more criminals on the streets. Also, you're never going to be Democrats at this game because Democrats just want a jailbreak. Democrats are just like everybody who ever committed a crime should be out on the streets. Meanwhile, Michael Bloomberg ran an ad blaming Trump for gun violence, which, again, I don't think that this is a particularly smart ad either by Bloomberg. But all right. On a Friday morning, George was shot. George didn't survive. I just kept saying, you cannot tell me that the child that I gave birth to is no longer here. Lives are being lost every day. It is a national crisis. Does 2,900 children die every year from gun violence? He's been in this fight for so long, he heard mothers crying, so he started fighting. When I heard Michael was stepping into the ring... I thought, now we have a dog in the fight. Okay, so it's a gun control ad on behalf of Michael Bloomberg. First of all, that 2,900 statistic apparently is not correct. Apparently, it's about half that. But in any case, that's also a weird take from Michael Bloomberg. You would expect him to run an anti-Trump ad in a time when people don't like Trump. That was actually his promise, that him spending hundreds of millions of dollars would benefit the Democrats generally because he'd be attacking Trump with all that money. That's not really an attack ad on Trump so much. And then, again, you have the oblique ad from Trump. Very weird takes. For those Super Bowl ads from Trump and Bloomberg. But apparently Trump believes that Bloomberg is sort of going to be the replacement for Joe Biden as Joe Biden falls out of contention. We'll know a lot more tonight. Meanwhile, I'd be remiss if I did not note that the Super Bowl had another round of silly controversies. The dumbest controversy of all, of course, was President Trump last night deciding that Kansas City was actually in the state of Kansas. So he originally tweeted, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on a great game and a fantastic comeback under immense pressure. You represented the great state of Kansas and in fact, the entire USA so very well. Our country is proud of you. Kansas City's in Missouri. So he got the state wrong. This led to a a number of sort of hilarious memes of the state of Kansas with the Sharpie marked like he did with the, the hurricane path with the Sharpie marked to now include Kansas City. Congratulations to citizens of Kansas who now have taken control of Kansas City without a shot fired. That's exciting stuff. So this, this of course, led to all sorts of dumb memes on Twitter. In, in sort of more important, or let's put it this way, more indicative controversy surrounding the game, the NFL aired a patriotic display, which they do every year. Like I was at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, they had a big patriotic display before the game. Very nice. I and mean, this is the dirty little secret is that the NFL plays on everybody's patriotic feelings because most Americans are still patriotic, right? This is what Trump should be honing in on, not the criminal justice reform stuff. You should be honing in on American sense of patriotism and contrasting that with Bernie's sense that America is an awful, terrible, no good, very bad place. Beyonce and Jay-Z refuse to stand for the anthem. Now, this stuff is just irritating. I'm sorry. If you want to talk about your problems with policing in the United States, you are free to do so. It's a free country. But this notion that you sit for the national anthem in the same way that Jackie Robinson faced racism, Beyonce and Jay-Z are facing racism as they sit there billionaires and they sit for the national anthem. It's just obnoxious garbage. It truly is. It's really obnoxious, and it falls into the Ilhan Omar, I'm ungrateful to be in the country routine. It's you're free to do whatever you want. It's a free country, but it's gross. It's gross. I'm sorry, Jay Z and Beyonce. Wow, well, what what? Now this is Jay Z trying to buy it back because remember Jay Z had broken with Colin Kaepernick, the great hero of our time. They and so they, so they were sitting for the national anthem, studiously doing so, which is just again yucky, very very yucky. And then there was the controversy over the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, I, do you get the feeling? I get the feeling the Super Bowl is not what it used to be. Like a lot of people that I know who I'm friends with, like five years ago, everybody watched the Super Bowl. I don't know what the ratings were this year yet. I just on a, on, a, on a personal level, I feel like more and more Americans are like, okay, this isn't what it used to be. I'm really not that into it as much as I was. Okay, so the Super Bowl halftime show happens. And every other year, we have this idiocy from the Super Bowl producers where they decide to put on some sort of over-sexualized act. This goes all the way back to Justin Timberlake stripping down Janice Jackson wearing a pasty. I think it was 2004 when that happens and so now we're 15 years later and so last night they held a striptease on the on the stage and this was championed as feminisming much feminisming because when I think feminism what I think is not my wife being a doctor and a mother what I think is scantily clad women shaking their asses for the pleasure of men that, that's really what I think I think feminisming is all about this right it, it's all about the shaking of the ass that's that's clearly and everyone's like they are so they're so empowered it's true nothing says empowerment Quite like stripping for the pleasure of the hundreds of millions of watching men. And I I know they're in great shape. Congratulations. That like really good for you that plastic surgery and exercise and restrictive diets are able to do a body good. Like good for you. Really, that's a lot of hard work. But can we stop pretending that this had nothing to do with sex or sex appeal? Like there's a reason that Lizzo wasn't on the stage shaking her ass that way. Okay. And like, really, there's a reason the Super Bowl cast it this way. There's a reason that J-Lo was doing like actual pole dances. Right, she she did a pole dance in the middle of this in the middle of this. Right, she actually got up and she was like caressing her own privates and doing a full-on pole dance. And the girls aspire to something better. There are all these commercials about female astronauts, and then the halftime show was a was a sexy woman climbing on a pole and doing a pole dance. Just wow, just so impressive and in every way. I think feminism: go to medical school, or be a lawyer, or be a mother, or be a stripper. I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's very exciting stuff. And let's, can we stop pretending that this was not a striptease? Of course it was a striptease. The whole thing is performed as a striptease. Like seriously, the, the, so a few things. One, it is not racist or sexist to point out that this was a striptease and is inappropriate for children. And okay, that is patently obvious. You may have enjoyed the striptease. More power. To, it's a free country. You may have thought that this was a wonderful example of Western art. All right. I mean, I think that your taste is garbage, but sure. But if, but if you are going to make the claim that this was somehow appropriate for children or that people who are offended by like, I have a five-year-old in the room and there's J-Lo pleasuring herself in front of hundreds of millions of people. Like that that is, is like, I'm out of the box for suggesting that this might not be appropriate for a, a child or, or a young teenage audience. Like when Shakira dancing with a rope as though she is at the Deja Vu nightclub is going to, is, is going to, like, look at this. Like, come on, come on. Like, really? Like, she's good at shaking her hips. Like, that's... Congratulations, but... This is... Okay, with the close-up... Pan, like, okay, it's not just me, okay? I'm not just... Se- what's funny is when people put on these very sexualized acts, and then when you point it out, they're like, why are you so concerned about... Se-? Maybe what's in your head? What's in my head is the same thing that's in your head. What, what do you think is in your head? She's shaking her... Like, the whole song is this. What do you... <laughs> Come on. I don't think that she's doing mathematics. She's not doing higher calculus. She's not sitting there doing your taxes. Like, well, come on. <laughs> hey, this is so silly. It's also silly. Th- th- this is what folks on the social left like to do. They will do things like they'll put drag queen story hour out there. And then they'll be like, why are you so offended that we're putting drag queens in front of children? It's because you're intolerant and you're closed minded. It's like, well, no, I'm, I just don't think that drag should be done in front of small children. That seems inappropriate for small children. Like, because you're because you're a, a bigot. What's in your head? The same thing that's here in your, your head, which is why you're putting drag queens in front of children. The, the, you wouldn't be doing it otherwise. You wouldn't think it was important to do otherwise. What's going through my head? Why do you think Shakira and J-Lo are stars? Because of the quality of j Lo singing? Like, it has nothing to do with her look? Nothing at all? Why do you think she was being celebrated last night? Because she, because uh, you think you think that if this were just, you know, her standing in front of a microphone singing like normal and not jiggling her ass, that this would be getting the same sort of attention? Don't be upset when people pay attention to the thing you're begging for attention from. The left act like teenagers. They really do. It's like they, they dye their hair blue and they get three nose rings. And like, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? Because you're deliberately attempting to get attention. And then when I give you the attention, then you're like, how dare you give me this attention? What's going through your mind? What it, what you wanted to go through my mind is going through my mind. And then me saying that that's inappropriate. That's That's that. The only good thing that came out of this silliness, of course, was um, one great meme, which is Shakira decided to do the thing that, that I guess this is common in, uh, is she, I'm not sure, well, what is Shakira's ethnic background? I'm not sure what it is, or her cultural background. It, it, she's Colombian, okay? So I didn't know if this is a thing, Colombian culture, it's a thing in like Sephardi Jewish culture, right? Like you'll, you'll be at a, at a bar mitzvah or something, people go, la, 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 right? that, that's a thing that people do at, at like a bar mitzvah. It's a celebratory noise. So Shakira actually did that on national TV, but it was weirdly sexualized. And so the only good thing to come out of of the Super Bowl was this meme of Shakira doing this thing, accompanied by a goat doing this thing, and one of the better memes I have seen recently. (laughs) Oh, this is so stupid. Our culture is so dumb. We deserve whatever we get, okay? Come take us, coronavirus. Come take us. Okay, time for a thing I like, and then we will do a quick thing that I hate. So, things that I like today... There's a movie that I thought was actually quite good, very underrated. Casey Affleck is the more talented of the Affleck brothers. He also has more personal issues than the other Affleck brother. But Casey is actually a really talented guy. Like, his acting is excellent. Uh, he is a, He's a good director. He made a movie called Light of My Life, which is sort of a post-apocalyptic film about a father and a daughter who are braving the wilds of a, of a country where there's been some plague that's basically wiped out all the women. And he has a daughter, and so he's ha- attempting to pass her off as a boy. And the movie's really about fathers and daughters. I thought it was great. I really did. It's called Light of My Life. It's very, again, like all post-apocalyptic films. It's an incredibly pro-life film. But of course, Casey Affleck would never acknowledge that it's an incredibly pro-life film. Because the moment you acknowledge that human beings must survive as a species or that it is good for them to do so, you inherently imply that life means something. Once you imply that life means something, then unborn life also means a thing. Like there's a whole scene where he explains to his daughter how much it meant to him when there's an ultrasound done of her. And it, pro- it never occurs to people who write these scripts that when they're talking about ultrasounds and how much it means in ultrasound, it never occurs to them at all that, like these same people will say, "Then if you feel like killing that baby, you can." <laughs> it's amazing. But here's a little bit of the trailer for Light of My Life, which again I thought was highly underrated. I didn't see a lot of attention. It didn't earn very much money at the box office, but it actually is quite a good movie. Bedrooms with beds. Right now Can we stay? i
0: don't only. It's a safe place to be. <laughs>
1: Me, because I'm a girl. So the, the movie is good. I, I actually liked it better than The Road. I know a lot of people love The Road with uh, Viggo Mortensen. I thought this is actually kind of a better movie. Uh, so you can check it out. Worth worthy of the watch. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I believe. So you can check that out. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. people for the ethical treatment of animals are in the business of making people want to eat meat just to spite them. Like all they do is make terrible ads and say stupid things that annoy me. So I am somebody who is, honestly, I'm drawn toward vegetarianism. I am. Like, I know that's an unpopular stance. When I say drawn toward, I don't mean that I'm going to stop eating meat like right now because meat is delicious. Like if if God didn't want us to eat animals, he shouldn't have made them out of meat. But with that said, I'm drawn ideologically to the idea of vegetarianism. It's, there's still... I, 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 every time I say this, I get all sorts of emails from vegans and vegetarians saying there are no health drawbacks. For children, there are health drawbacks. The, the source of protein in animal is much better than the source of protein in vegetables. But in any case, I'm, I'm somebody who would actually be warm to the idea for animal rights. Like I'm, I'm not that animals have rights, but that you should treat animals with humanity. I'm drawn toward that, even though I'm not an animal lover. It seems to me that treating animals with cruelty is a sign of great human evil. And that if there comes a future in 100 years in which people look back on things we're doing today and they say that's barbaric, probably meat eating will be one of those things. But PETA makes me want to go out and just do nothing but eat steak for the next week. So they cut an ad and the ad was not aired at the Super Bowl and then they were whining about it, which united the obnoxious virtue signaling of PETA with Colin Kaepernick. So it's like all the things that are garbage in one, in one ad. So here is, here is the PETA ad. It shows a bee flying over a valley. And then the bee is taking a knee. And then they're playing the national anthem. Then the, the bear is taking a knee. And then the fish are taking a... They don't have knees. I don't know what they would be taking exactly. And then you've got a wolf and a fox taking a knee, just like Colin Kaepernick dies. And then a mouse and then a dog. And they're all taking knees. First of all, I don't need a dog. Do you need a dog? Like, I haven't lately. A horse taking a knee. Okay, and the idea here, and then a pig taking a knee. So basically, all these animals taking a knee, just like Colin Kaepernick, and then a child taking a knee, because we all st- we all kneel for the national anthem because America is evil and bad. And then the American eagle taking a knee. Oh Okay, so this this makes me want to do nothing but eat meat. Nothing, because this is so. Uh, it's respect is the right of every living being is what it ends with, and speciesism. Speciesism. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go with no human beings are different than animals. And if you don't believe that, is I remember the PETA did an ad years ago called Holocaust on your plate. And I just thought to myself, you pieces of crap. Like the Holocaust was an actual thing that happened with actual human beings. And if you cannot differentiate between the quality of a human being and the quality of an animal, and if you believe that they truly are the same, then you have a screw loose. This is what makes me want to eat animals on an ideological level. Like once you say that I shouldn't eat animals, not because cruelty to animals is inherently a bad thing, but because animals and human beings are on some moral plane equivalent, now you make me just to demonstrate that animals are not human beings want to eat a cow. Because animals are not human beings. And the fact that people are attempting, because here's the thing, once you start saying that animals are human beings, then you're also saying that human beings are animals, and that ends in a lot of awful, ugly places throughout human history. Okay, we'll be back here later today for two additional hours of content, so stick around for that. Otherwise, we'll be back here tomorrow. Also, remember, tomorrow night, is our Daily Wire backstage live coverage of the State of the Union address, which should be an awful lot of fun. We'll be rehashing, I'm sure, Iowa, looking forward to New Hampshire and all the rest. So go subscribe right now at Daily Wire. When you use DW2020, you get 20% off our subscriptions. When you subscribe, you get special access to the backstage. So Daily Wire backstage happening tomorrow night. Go check us out. And we'll see you here a little bit later or tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Sajevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Poromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. The Kansas City Chiefs mount a fourth-quarter comeback to win the Super Bowl. NFL ratings are up, finally,
0: and Republican senators unexpectedly whip the votes to exonerate President Trump
1: and end impeachment once and for all. We will examine the secret behind three dramatic comebacks. Then Democrats freak out just hours before the Iowa caucuses. The halftime show highlights the difference between sexiness and porn. And Brexit comes off without a hitch. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.